The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections, and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to the show where on this edition, we will visit with the most enigmatic subject we have ever had, who combines techniques from both in and out of this world to bring people to the edge of reality and back again. Mistress Datura has five years experience as a professional dominatrix and cybernetician she tears down all assumptions of how dominance can manifest and is always seeking new ways to control her puppets. She is a classically trained dominatrix with a background in medicine. With a focus on MK Ultra techniques, heavy rubber, mind control, medical fetish, role play, and sensory deprivation, Mistress Datura is able to blur the lines of fantasy and reality. So welcome to this incredible journey of Mistress Datura, the rubber creature on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First time you ever witnessed a BDSM scene. My mother was a pro-dom and she was a single mom. So obviously it's a little hard to hide things when you're mm. a single mother, but I accidentally walked into one of her scenes. I was like, probably like a tween, but I immediately like ran away. I was just like, oh my God. It definitely sparked something in me. My mom was quite open about things in a very healthy manner. Like if I ever had questions, she would immediately answer. See my real, real first scene while I was like around 18 years old at the Seattle Center for Sex Positivity. And I really appreciate like everything I learned from there. Very familiar with Seattle, having spent 20 years up there. Wasn't in the kink scene up there, but I do know that it is a fascinating place. Yeah, I lived there for quite some time myself, too. <laughs> First time you ever donned a rubber garment and your feelings doing it. Okay, so my first time, I was 18 years old. I actually met someone through the center. They had, like, they were very similar in size to me. They had mini cat suits, hoods, gloves. 
And I was just very, very interested because I had always had an interest in latex. Since I was a child, I was really interested in like Terry Mugler's designs and he really incorporated a lot of latex. The first time I put it on, it was definitely not what I was expecting. You would expect it's a lot more forgiving, but it's very difficult to slide on the rubber, even with a ton of lube. It's very tight, constricting, and you really have to take your time and wiggle yourself in. I really appreciated the ritualistic aspect of wearing rubber, like being covered head to toe in lube, taking very, very like slow, like intentional steps into like getting it onto my body. But once I had it fully on, I was zipped in. It was completely life-changing. I knew I wanted to just fill my wardrobe with as much rubber as I could. I really loved how constrictive it was. I loved how I just felt like I was getting like a full body hug. I loved the way that the sweat builds up underneath it. I loved the sound of the rubber creasing with, as you move. And I really loved the scent of it. It just triggered something very deep in my mind that is now a total obsession. First time that you realized that your words alone could have such an amazing effect on another? A very good question. Well, I would say it probably started around when I was 14 or 15. I was like kind of involved with this one hacker community but they basically, they've trained me to do social engineering. They told me like the basics of like human communication. My duty for the hacker facility or the hacker group was just to basically like walk in somewhere and just like be very coy, shy, like try to get past security and near a computer and place in a USB thumb drive, which has malicious code in it. I just was able to see how easily I am able to mystify people with my words, with my just body language. And from there, it just started like kind of another obsession of just like learning how to talk to like a wide variety of people, how to connect with people and to speak to people on a very subconscious level to like make them feel at ease to like really learn as much as you can about them in quick glances or interactions. First time you walked into a dungeon for your own scene and your emotions going through it. Fantastic question. I was around 2021 when I went into my first dungeon scene it was like my first professional usually like when I did my scenes in my lifestyle it was always just at home like in my apartment going to a dungeon was more of a professional thing for me there was like a few dungeons in Seattle that were easy to access. I remember I was completely mystified when I first walked in. It was a gorgeous old house that was renovated to be a private dungeon, um, multiple floors. It was very like beautifully designed, covered in antiques, very regal. And I was just completely blown away by the care and attention to detail for the space. 
And as I looked around, I saw so many incredible implements, so many tools that I didn't know were out there. And it really just inspired me to better my craft and continue my passion. I still remember feeling completely mystified uh, that such such spaces actually existed. My mom always had uh, like really private spaces or it was just like a room in our apartment. Pandora's box is the oldest dungeon in New York City. Tell me what it was like to walk into that dungeon for the first time, realizing that you were a part of it. And what in particular, a piece of equipment or a special space, or what was it that immediately drew your attention and made you feel so at home? So Pandora's is definitely like very near and dear to my heart. It's an incredible institution of New York. It's been around forever. I was first exposed to it by the fetishes documentary on, I believe, HBO. I think you can see it on YouTube, in fact. I had actually been previously renting at Pandora's before I became exclusive there. I had heard through the grapevine of various mistresses that it was a great place to start when you first moved to New York. It was very iconic. And I knew that even though it was no longer in the space that was seen in the documentary, it still was like something that you would never find in Seattle or really anywhere else besides like London or Berlin. But my favorite room was medical by far. It was incredibly beautiful, chrome, lots of mirrors everywhere, the most devious equipment. My favorite thing that was in that room was definitely the latex back bed. I put many, many people into that, but it was always very interesting to work at Pandora's because there was so many doms that like as an independent, you don't really interact with other doms in your day-to-day unless you're having duos. It's quite like an isolated experience most of the time. But at Pandora's, you're constantly surrounded by seven other mistresses and everyone is completely different in their styles and auras, which makes it great. Everyone had something that you could learn from or teach to other people. But I really appreciated uh, the managers at Pandora's simply because they really took us under their wings. Anything that I was previously like not very comfortable doing, I was extensively trained. I like got a bit heavier into medical play. Like I have previous experience from doing pre-med partially. Uh, I didn't finish my degree but I did do pre-med and I learned like basic medical training, first aid, CPR, all of that. But I was able to hone in my medical skills at Pandora's thanks to many of the doms there, including Mistress Trinity, who is now now independent, but she was quite iconic there. I think everyone should have the experience of working in a traditional house of domination I think it's very important to learn the kind of the protocols of the kink community, the hierarchy of um, older doms and just people who have been in the scene for a lot longer. It just helps solidify like true respect amongst each other. Not to say that like independents uh, do not have those qualities either, but 
definitely uh, you learn like very quick within the house of domination. Our journey with Mistress Datura has just begun. And when we come back on what women and other wonderful humans want, we'll talk more about how she started her journey and the journey that would become the cybernetician that I'm so fascinated about. We'll talk about that when we come back. Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom, but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports. No, not the jet ski kind. And you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. Hi folks, Key Barrett here, and I've got a question for you. Do you think your wife or girlfriend makes the best decisions and you want to support her any way you can? Ladies, do you think your partner works best when they're told exactly what you want? You both might be looking for a female-led relationship. From mild to wild, these strong relationships have one thing in common, satisfaction. Read Surrender Submit Server on Audible, Kindle, and Paperback today to start your female-led journey. And good luck. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Welcome back to the show. I'm John, also known as Hi There Katsu, joined by Mistress Datura from New York City. And I do believe that you are our first ever second generation dominatrix. Oh, incredible. <laughs> so what was it like having a mom who was in the business? My mother, definitely a very fascinating character. She has a very intense personality. She has quite the strong will. She is like a natural born leader. She's beautiful. She's intelligent. She's everything you could hope for in a like dominatrix for sure. She used to work in Berlin primarily, but then she like moved to Canada with my father and she was doing it there for a little bit. And then she was doing it occasionally in Seattle, mostly during the 90s. She was active until I would say the early 2000s, mid 2000s, maybe. 
but she did it for quite some time. It was definitely interesting, like growing up alongside of her because she took me to, you know, fetish shops, like drag shows. She would sometimes take me along to like Babeland to get like sex ed books. She just was very open and direct about her lifestyle, but she still protected me quite a bit from it. Like she never like, you know, got very gritty with it. She never exposed me to anything overtly sexual, but for instance, like I might find like, you know, a heavy rubber like magazine in the house or something like that. And so I definitely, it was around, I knew it was like always an option as a career, uh, but I didn't necessarily expect that I would grow up to be a mini me of my mother. <laughs> um, but I do appreciate like everything she did expose me to because it, it turned me into quite a fascinating human to say the least. Mistress Tutorial, we now live in an age where kink is a little bit more accepted than it was back in the age where your mom was in the industry. That's very important to you, correct? Yes, it is. It's incredibly important. I am very passionate about the safety of sex workers. We're an incredibly dangerous industry. It's always been dangerous. And the more that it becomes accepted in society and it's not such a taboo thing, the more safety that we as professionals will experience. My mom experienced like a lot of harm while being a sex worker. For instance, she was like stabbed at one point. Um, it was really terrible. She made it out just fine. But because of that, she has always been very protective over me. And when she found out that this is what I was doing full time, um, she, of course, had her concerns because, you know, back in the 90s, early 2000s, like the blacklists weren't as prominent. We didn't have as nice of screening services. Um, the community wasn't as connected. Uh, so like a lot of us couldn't share our experiences with like bad situations, which helps prevent um, further bad situations from happening. It's just incredibly important to keep trying to increase the safety of sex workers, even if people don't necessarily agree with the industry. Uh, they should still care that those of us who are doing it are safe from prosecution. It's an entirely different world uh, that my mom worked in. In some ways, I'm very grateful for that. Some ways I'm not. Like uh, in her era, the social media thing was not calm, was, well, I mean, it didn't exist at all. Mm -hmm. uh, like, Dom sex workers weren't expected to, you know, have fan sites, multiple social media platforms, constantly be posting, engaging, constantly be accessible to our clients. It seemed a lot more simple um, and much more of a private thing back then. There was a lot more anonymity you could have with sex work. And like now you just have to constantly be everywhere, um, which is great. Uh, it's good that things are so accepting um, and out in the open, but at the same time, uh, 
I wish we could just, you know, go back to the previous eras where it was just a little bit more logged off and more in person. You mentioned about your branding, that your, quote, character, if there was, is not a character at all. It is you. When did you discover the you that is now? Um, it's been a culmination of my lifelong experiences. I like to joke that in a lot of ways, my interests have not changed uh, since I was like a teenager. It, they have evolved and gained complexity, but definitely I'm at the core, the same person, the same interests. Like for instance, I got into a lot of the hypnosis and enhanced interrogation techniques based off of my special interests surrounding um, espionage, uh, human experimentation, and the more taboo side of the medical industry. I don't, I can't tell you why I've always been interested in this stuff. Uh, it's always been one of my favorite subjects to read upon. I think it's more of like, those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And it's good to be aware of the fallacies that the medical community has done. My interest in like hypnosis started at a very, very young age. I've always, I'm on the autism spectrum. So I have inherently like struggled with my like nonverbalness and just general communication. And so I learned, I started uh, seeking out ways to kind of conquer and control those issues and through that I like ended up at hypnosis and social engineering which I then uh, just like incorporated into my daily life and I started incorporating more into my kink practices because at the core of it I do think hypnosis is it can be a very sexy thing um, to give your trust into someone to allow access to the deepest parts of your mind or of your mind. It's very intimate. It's very delicate. And I think as I've gotten older, I started eroticizing it. At the core of it, I just wanted to be able to do what I was passionate in in life. I mean, there is so many dominatrixes out there there that are like more of the traditional style and I love that it's great what is most important is to be the most authentic to myself and while like I am happy to provide like all sorts of kinks um, and activities I have learned that I'm happiest and have the most fun in my sessions when I'm able to you know, to just be myself, to do things that truly excite me as a mistress, as a dominant. I noticed that there wasn't, like, there's many hypnosis practitioners out there that are incredibly talented, um, but I didn't, I could never find anyone that was, like, specifically, like, what I was into, more of, like, the espionage side of things like more like human experimentation um, vibes. And I, I think it's important to 
be able to like put my talents and skills out there for people who are also interested in such things to explore like more extreme psychological based kinks uh, in a safe space with someone that does like understand uh, what they're doing, the consequences and like how to build someone back up after you know, hypnosis, brainwashing, whatever happens. I, I had older, like older doms in the community, like telling me what you put out there is what you will attract. And while you can be the dom for everyone, it's, you will have like better long-term happiness if you just, well, uh, you do as you want, you provide the services that you're most comfortable with, that you're happiest doing and the clientele will follow. And I found that to be definitely the case. Uh, I'm actually surprised that there's so many people out there that are also into like MK Ultra, like brainwashing, espionage-esque role plays, alien abduction type things. But there is like such a lovely community of people out there who do want to surrender their mind in a safe space. And I think the word surrender is very applicable here. And when I was first introduced to you by the Dom that had worked with me uh, back last year, mm-hmm. and she was absolutely fascinated, was, was amazed that I was going to bring you on to the show to be able to talk to you because she was uh, every bit an admirer and somebody who I believe will eventually follow in your footsteps because she has a very wonderful way of using few words in a very beautiful and heartfelt way that they will absolutely capture whoever she's working with. Oh, she sounds incredible. Everything you've mentioned about her. Um, And I look forward to chatting with her one day. My (laughs) ultimate kink, if I were to put it on a bucket list, would be the ability to totally escape where I am at this time, Mm, meaning mm -hmm. to go to a place where I know I'm safe, Mm -hmm. but be able to, through a journey, leave my troubles and my angst and my anxiety and the depression that I deal with on a day-to-day basis to be able to put myself in the trust of somebody and let them take me on a journey. Mm -hmm. Everything I heard about you and what you've described has made me totally fascinated with what you do. (laughs) Um, So putting that kind of trust into someone must be something that people are scared of. What can you tell them that will allow them to relax and be put into this wonderful state that you can put them into? Uh, absolutely I think it's very like it's a very important thing to be careful like who you surrender your mind to uh, because like there's a lot that can happen to truly allow 
actual surrender. Uh, I really, really insist on having open and direct communication with my clients beforehand or my submissives, whoever it is. Um, just very, very deep heart-to-heart -heart conversations over what they're seeking out of the experience, what they are absolute, what they are absolutely okay with experiencing their hard limits, what boundaries they could potentially be open to pushing in the future. I try to be just myself. Uh, I don't try to put on any sort of dominant facade uh, outside of our playtime. I think it's very important to just be like very empathetic and listen to my clients concerns and to just like let them kind of get to know me on a more personal level so they can see that like there really isn't any ill intention that they like are safe to play with me to surrender themselves entirely and most of the time like actually no pretty much all the time in uh like the professional realm I do not do any enhanced interrogation techniques on the first meeting. I always insist on at least an hour of just chatting and some very basic, you know, play, be it impact or bondage, sensory deprivation, something that's not too overwhelming to just let us like get more comfortable with each other to kind of create a dynamic because when you're playing psychologically, it's very, very important to have actual connection, actual dynamic, because you do not like, you don't want the person to be legitimately afraid of anything that's happening. You want them to know that they like at the end of it, like they can actually like stop the situation anytime they want. At the end of it, they're going to be okay. Like they are going to have their aftercare. They are going to like check back, like slowly come back out of subspace, um, back into like the world of reality. I think it's just good practice to not play like deeply psychological on the first meeting just mm -hmm. for like a multitude of reasons. But after I like, can sense that like we both have a connection um that they're like relaxed a lot more uh, and that can be just in terms of like how open they are with this like communication the more um like subtle unconscious like physical side effects such as like you know relaxed breathing their pupils dilate you can see the muscles in their face relax um, then I'll start taking it in a deeper route. Also frequently, like I will just do start with like hypnosis at first, which a lot of people, you know, they seem, they say that like, oh, they don't think they can get hypnotized or they don't think they can relax. But through Ericksonian hypnosis, it's completely conversationally based. So most of the time people are completely unaware that I'm actively hypnotizing them through just our combo. They think they're just having like, you know, something kind of eccentric, unrelated discussion. They'll like hear things here and there that lead to uh, like more of a hypnosis topic, but they aren't presently aware. Um, and I think like that is always like, 
that's a great way to build up um, a bit of trust and to allow like actual surrender. It's an incredibly special gift when someone does uh, start showing the signs and vocalizes that they are open to more extreme play. Um, because I do, it's like, no matter what, it's a, it's a deeply intimate thing. Um, it's, it's incredibly intense, even for myself, uh, because, you know, it can be like extremely hard to see like someone struggling when they're being waterboarded. Uh, Cause like, obviously it's just like, I do, I do enjoy my sadism, um, but when you can see that like someone is in distress and it's like a sensation they haven't really experienced before, uh, it definitely like, it makes me just appreciate and uh, just appreciate the surrender, the trust that they put into me. And after every intense session that I have, I always like to just like sit there for an hour or so with my submissive and just like talk them through what they experience, listen to their feedback and just try to have an open dialogue so we can have like more authentic connections and more authentic scenes in the future. Because often I think like when people come to professionals, um, they like often they do want to truly surrender. They do truly want to experience what the professional has in store for them. But at the same time, it is like still a service. And I think it's like very, very important to make sure that everyone involved is like happy and content with what's happening. When we return on what women and other wonderful humans want, We'll talk a little bit about how that hypnosis and rubber go together. I'll explain when we come back. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think, and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress, now available on Kindle, and you can order your copy at yesmistress.com. Realizing that you're polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. The Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating, such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. This is Tanya Tate. And have you listened to my podcast? 
Tanya T presents MILFs Making Money. I share a whole lot of positivity, tips and tools on how myself and other women in the adult industry make money on premium social media platforms. If you want to hear me interview many different guests, then get yourself over there, milfsmakingmoney.com. And you can also search my name, Milfs Making Money, on all of your usual podcast platforms. And if you enjoyed listening to What Women Want podcast, make sure you get yourself over and subscribe to my podcast, milfsmakingmoney.com. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to the show. I'm John, joined by Mistress Datura from New York City, also known as the rubber creature. And before the break, we were talking a lot about hypnosis and interrogation techniques and playing with the mind. I tend to think that playing with rubber also plays with the mind, especially with the sensory deprivation and the sensory heightened effect that rubber has. But how this comes together for me is when you described at the beginning of the show what it's like for you to wear rubber, I heard your hypnosis voice come in there. And I was able to close my eyes and imagine what you were feeling. Mm, Wonderful. So becoming the rubber creature, when you put on rubber, whether it be a catsuit or a dress, what is it that comes out in you that creates a new power within you? Very good question. Um, So when I don on my latex, it definitely takes me from my daily life into this like highly idealized realm. uh, And it definitely channels a certain kind of energy in me. Like as I zip up my latex, I'm pretty much like in a trance myself. Uh, It's very meditative. All I am focusing on is like the sound of the rubber, getting it slid up my body, getting it perfectly in place. That's all my mind is focused on. And then once it's zipped up, I am truly detoura. Um, I am, I come more into my dominant personality. I become a lot more commanding. Um, I definitely take up a lot more space energetically. and. It, there's something about hypnosis it, or about latex that invokes the sensation of hypnosis, uh, like not even just within the sensory deprivation, but with the, you are constantly aware of the latex covering your entire body. It's tight, it's restricting, but at the same time, your brain is able to tune out the sensory input. Uh, it becomes more of an extension of you, but it's still something that you are subconsciously always thinking of. And it 
kind of just puts me into this very like meditative hypnotic state of just confidence and dominance that I don't really experience otherwise. Latex gives me like a protective cocoon. It transforms me. Um, and I really love the transformative aspect as a submissive and a dominant. It's an armor, if you will. Absolutely. Uh, I definitely feel it's an armor that transforms me into, well, the rubber creature, but um, it it's incredible like how it just changes my demeanor and how I carry myself. One of the things that I talk about because I love my cat suits, all of them, with the exception of one rubber one, which I finally got a latex cat suit, it doesn't quite fit like I wanted it to, but you know, it's a first. But the mm -hmm. thing that I always notice and the way I describe it on this show and to other people when they say, what is it about the cat suit? I said, it's the world's greatest mindfulness exercise. Absolutely. <laughs> when you are lying down wearing one or even standing up wearing one, there is not one moment when you can go to a body part that isn't being touched. Mm -hmm. And to me, getting lost in that is beautiful. And that's why when you started talking about the combination of hypnosis and rubber, to feel the combination of having one's mind be taken onto a journey while wearing rubber, to me, that sounds quite frankly, mind-blowing and such a beautiful imaginative thing to be able to do because you are in this cocoon, you are in this armor, you are in this place that is safe and hugging and brings your attention to who you are and every curve of you. And that's a beautiful thing to me. It's really beautiful. Uh, and definitely, I think everyone should try the experience of even just simply like wearing a cat suit or trying like bondage in a cat suit or my per personal favorite method of inflatable body bags um, because they give you the sensation of floating and you're completely restricted. You can still like move around just enough it's very slippery and slides on your body, but I found that it definitely, it helps take your mind to a different level when you mm -hmm. are bound. And again, like you said, uh, you're completely mindful of this fabric, the sensation that's covering your entire body. It's something that you're aware of, but you aren't directly thinking of at the same time. And I think when you just allow yourself to experience those sensations, to close your eyes, or if you have a blindfold on, whatever works, letting your mind drift a bit. It's incredible, like the worlds that you can reach just laying in an inflatable latex body bag. Um, I highly suggest everyone try it. And if you're able to experience hypnosis while you're in a latex body bag, I think you'll have like, quite a transformative experience. Uh, I like I liken it to uh, like if you incorporate sensory deprivation 
it's much, it's very similar to uh, like sensory deprivation tanks or the float tanks, if you've ever heard of them. Um, but you're, it allows your mind to completely relax and you can occasionally achieve psychedelic states just through, um, you know, just relaxing in a body bag. It's amazing what the human brain can do. I wish Cincinnati had more of them, but it's kind of hard to find one around here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Well, the inflatable latex body bags, some noise canceling headphones, and a blindfold does just the trick too. Mm. I am imagining right now how beautiful that <laughs> is. And the beautiful thing about it is, and because so many people have this idea of kink and sex together, we haven't talked about sex one bit in this. It's all about the journey that you can have in your mind. And I think that that is one of the biggest misrepresentations that so many people have, especially those who might judge what we do is the greatest thing we can do is to go on a journey with each other and be guided in that way. Absolutely. Uh, one of the reasons why I've always loved and appreciated the kink community is it's like we're all just on a journey together we're all learning new things about each other ourselves constantly like every scene I feel like I learned something new about myself and also about my submissives but I always just appreciated that guiding experience that varies for all of us but it's yet yeah, it's very very heavily mentally based I mean like of course like there is a sexual aspect to it but it's not always seen in scenes. And I think people should be aware of that. For instance, uh, like my partner, he wasn't like very involved with the kink community at all before he started dating me. And he thought it was just like, you know, more like what you see in like more mainstream porn that has like a kinky side. Mm -hmm. And he was like, that's great. I love it too, of course, but uh, I wanted him to see that like, no, it actually like, it's a lot more that more than that. It's like a very deeply intimate thing. And like my best scenes have been my like most non-sexual scenes mm -hmm. uh, by far. I would totally concur with that. I had to go to the dictionary to find the definition of cybernetics the science of communication and control theory that is concerned especially with the comparative study of automatic control systems, such as the nervous system and brain and mechanical electrical communication systems. You are a cybernetician. Mm -hmm. Explain that for those of us who are going, what? <laughs> So yeah, definitely, it's a very long word. Uh, the word was coined by Norbert Wiener. He was a mathematician or also a cybernetician. Um, he was the one who pioneered a lot of the framework for cybernetics. But basically, uh, it, it's such a vast field. It can be used in so many different forms. Like 
I've seen it used for robotics, for AI, for hypnosis, um, for sociology, it for like philosophy, um, and of course, like just normal like science stuff too, like mathematics. Uh, it's it's a very complicated thing, and it's kind of one of those terms that it's more like what it means. But I personally like have always it i i see myself as more of like a scientist of control like more than a dominatrix necessarily i'm very interested in the neuroscience aspect of psych of the kink of the scenes we do like why why are humans into what we are why do we react the way we do and uh, hypnosis itself is uh, as a hypnotist, you are create you are turning your body into a biofeedback loop, um, and uh, what I mean by that is like to be a successful hypnotist, you need to be able to be completely aware of the client's um, biological state of being. Um, and what I mean by that is you are aware of like what their pulse rate is, uh, like how are their muscles tensing? How are their pupils dilating? How, how does their voice sound? Um, the tones they're using. And by like you, by very intensely studying my subject, I am able to replicate um, their breathing patterns, I can often like replicate pupil dilation, muscle relaxation. I will replicate the tone of voice. And this just unconsciously helps the body relax because you're creating a uh, resonance amongst each other. Um, and uh, this process in hypnosis in particular with Ericksonian hypnosis is the term called pacing. Um, it's an essential, I make all of my output channels into a biofeedback loop that just matches my client. And um, like <laughs> that is also like, that can be very easily filed underneath cybernetics. Uh, I also like use cybernetics in the term of being a uh, like hacker. And hackers aren't just, um, you know, computer-based. It, it is also very much human-based. Uh, and now even within the cybersecurity industry, like human hacking is one of the most paramount skills you can have because oftentimes like hacking itself is no longer like, you know, just typing away in the terminal, sending scripts, malware, whatever it's more social engineering it's more like using tactics to make people feel comfortable at like releasing information that they pre that they wouldn't normally do and uh, a lot of hackers like really do study um hypnosis and neuroling neuro neurolinguistic programming um in order to achieve such things and that is also all within the cybernetics uh, under like the sociology umbrella.
I love your branding on your website. It is an amazing journey just to travel through your website. I love the fact that you have your patches that uh, you put on Instagram, which I commented on of being absolutely, those are absolutely cool. You have this wonderful presentation about you. Have you always been that creative and artistic? I, absolutely. Um, I have always been an a intense lover of aesthetics. Um, I am very peculiar about how I love to, how I live my life. Like I am very much a creature of environment. Like I need to be in a beautiful situation to be happy. Um, but I have always uh, made my own websites. I do my own graphics. Uh, I have always just had a deep interest in um, the aesthetics of the CIA's uh, blacked out documents. I love it so much. Uh, I love like the photocopied aesthetics um, from a lot of like uh, just CIA related files. Um, I love the Cold War espionage aesthetics. Um, it's all, it's just like, once again, this has been a lifelong passion. I can't really like necessarily say where it all triggered from, but since I was a child, I've just been super obsessed with this like 1930s to 1960s espionage aesthetic. And I, I just love to put as much attention to detail into everything I do. And I just really wanted to have like a website that really reflected like who I am as a person, um, what my interests are, and just have like a very like beautiful interconnected branding aesthetic. And it all travels back even to the Siberia rubber, which is like the patches I've released. Um, but the patches, for instance, they like a few of them are based upon uh, US PSYOP, uh, Air Force Division pass patches. Um, I'm just, I've always been like a fairly creative person. Uh, I love to draw. I just think it's very important to put every like bit of passion into my work uh, because it does reflect upon who I am and I want my clients to have the best match for them in terms of a dominatrix and I just want at this point people who also vibe with that vision are into the more espionage style role play and I feel like having a very solidified uh, aesthetic helps cultivate that. Um, but besides like the aesthetics of my branding, uh, previously I did ballet on the semi-professional level. And I feel like that has contributed a lot to just my aesthetics um, and just, of course, my creative, like my creative mind. Would you give our audience the ways that we can connect with you online and through your website? Yes. Uh, so 
you can reach me best uh, through www.rubbercreature.xyz. That's my personal website. Um, I always respond to well-written emails. However, if you send something that's blank, uh, you're probably not going to get a response. But that's generally where you can find all the information about me. Otherwise, you can find me at Instagram at Rubber Creature, Twitter at Mistress Datura, or my Fansly, which is uh, all about my lifestyle um, play. And that's also fansly.com slash rubber creature. One of the joys of this particular podcast is getting to talk to people who bring so many different aspects to what we do to the broadcast and also to my mind. I have the one of the curses of it is that I would love to be able to experience every single bit of it, but it's physically impossible when you do an interview a week and it's impossible <laughs> to get out and experience all of that. Mm-hmm. I have totally enjoyed speaking with you. I look forward to staying in touch and watching your journey grow and uh, of all the people that I've talked to, you are definitely one of the people that I would love to be able to experience in person, the amazing person that is you. And I really appreciate you taking the time with us today. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and thank you for reaching out. And I hope that we do get to play in real life in the future. I'm sure our paths will cross at some point, um, but I had a great time talking to you this evening. That was an amazing amount of new information we took in from someone who would be proud of the inputting of information into all our beings. Next week, we will meet Reb Holmberg. Now that name may not sound familiar, but this one might. Dominatrix Amanda Wildfire. Reb is now the evolution of Amanda Wildfire as she is now a BDSM sexuality educatrix, a student at the Institute for Sexuality, and still has the power to bring people excitement, albeit in a new and evolutionary way. She will join us next week, and in the weeks ahead, we'll be joined by more personalities from around the corner, around the country, and around the world on what women and other wonderful humans want. Until next week, I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.